You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Well, good morning, church. It is a good morning, is it not? The wind hadn't started blowing yet. We got to see a baptism. This is a good day. Thank you. Those of us that have to go outside love when the wind stops blowing. So all of us, right? In a Sunday school class, uh, there was a teacher asking the kids a question. They were getting into the lesson. And the teacher asked the kids, okay, and this is for those that have grown up in church. You'll get this one. If you are new to Jesus, we'll pray for you later. Okay? But she asked the kids, all right, kids, what is gray, about this tall, long, bushy tail. Kids are just staring at her. Come on. Gray, long, bushy tail, about this tall, eats nuts. They're still just puzzled. Seriously. Long, bushy tail, about this tall, eats nuts, climbs trees. And the kid says, I know the answer's supposed to be Jesus, but it sure does sound like a squirrel. Right? You could never go wrong with Jesus in Sunday school. For those that grew up in church, you know what that was. If you didn't know the answer, it was a safe bet just to say Jesus, and you're, you might be right. It was a better shot, right? Uh, for, those that, uh, for those that are healthy, that watch what they eat or try to, right? We all try to. I watch what I eat every day. I watch it on the plate, and I watch it go in my mouth. The quality of it is a different conversation, right? But here is, here is the final word on, an, on nutrition and health, okay? So the Japanese, they eat very little fat, and they suffer few, fewer heart attacks than the English. Um, the Hispanic community, they, they have a lot more fats that they eat in their foods, but they, again, they suffer uh, fewer heart attacks than the English. The Chinese uh, drink very little red wine and suffer fewer heart attacks than the English. And the Italians drank a lot of red wine and suffer fewer heart attacks than the English. The Germans drank a lot of beer. They eat a lot of sausage and they suffer fewer heart attacks than the English. So the conclusion, eat and drink what you want. Speaking English is apparently what kills you. <laughs> That's a good warm up, I thought. You guys good with that warm up? Good. I know you're alive. I've heard you laugh. Now when I ask you questions, I expect answers. Amen? There it is. Last week, we've, we've been talking about worship. We've been talk, I, I said that we had a Wednesday night prayer and worship series, and that's true. But it has spilled into every other service. And so you're getting pieces of it uh, in every single service. And last week, we talked about worship and, and the simplicity of it. If you want to understand what worship is, because worship is meant to be for your life. It is, not, it is not just what we just did. That's praise, right? That's an aspect of worship, but worship is obedience to God. You want to understand what worship is to look like. Jesus gave us the perfect example. He defined it perfectly for us in the garden. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. If you want to live a life of worship, that is what it is. That is how it is defined. This is worship. This is what it is to live a life of worship unto the Lord, a life that you are made for. It's important that we remember that, and so oftentimes we forget that. We forget 
that we are made for him. We are created to worship God. We are made to be in relationship with him. How could Jesus say, just think about this. How could Jesus say, not my will, but your will be done if he didn't have relationship with the father? If he did, because that's, that's a statement of trust more than anything, is it not? That Jesus knew what was ahead of him and he still trusted the Lord. How does that kind of deep trust get instilled in our lives? Relationship is the only way, right? Relationship is the only way. He cannot say it if he does not have relationship. He could see and perceive that the Lord was doing a new thing and it was good. No matter what it cost him, he could see that what the Lord was doing was good. There was deep trust, deep relationship, and the fruit of that deep relationship. And this is the meat of what we talked about last week. The fruit of a deep relationship with God is praise. That is what we just did. Praise unto the Lord. And we talked about the importance of it in our lives last week. We have a book dedicated with songs of praise to the Lord. Israel had a tribe dedicated to praising God. So praise is important. And praise, again, positions us for fresh outpouring. It aligns us with the heart of God that we could receive a new thing that he's, he desires for us to receive. He, he can pour out new things. He can bring about new revelation. And we can experience blessing. Because what does praise do? We talked about it in Sunday school. Praise keeps our eyes fixed on him that we can see the path through the storm. The second I take my eyes off of him, I'm wandering wild and alone. But while I have my eyes fixed on him, there's a clear path to walk. And oftentimes, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, so often we as Christians miss the blessing that is in the midst of the most difficult circumstances because we're focused on getting out of the circumstances. But the Lord has every desire to see you through it, not out of it. Do you hear what I'm saying? There's this, uh, our, we talked about, me and Troy talked about this. This doesn't have anything to do, it's about cows. And if you want a question about tra- cows, Troy Holdman is your guy. But we were talking about the difference in cows and buffalo. And cows, when a storm's coming, they will run away from it. And they will run nonstop to get away from it, but always ahead of it. A buffalo will turn and face it and run through it. Because there's logic in that, is there not? Because if it's coming this way and I'm running through it, I'm going to get through it faster, right? It, t- it stays around longer and I'm fleeing from it longer and I'm in the midst of it longer if I'm seeking to get away from it instead of allowing the Lord to lead me through it. Amen? That's the word. Be a buffalo. Okay? You're done. Just kidding. All right? We're just getting warmed up still. It is crucial. Praise is crucial to our daily life, but we have neglected it. We have neglected pl- praise and I've, I've asked this question. I think we've all asked this question. Why have we neglected praise? Well, praise is vulnerable. The things that we've neglected, we've been talking about prayer a lot in this series on, on Wednesdays. And one of the issues that we have in the church today with prayer and the reason we've neglected it is it is vulnerable. We do not like vulnerability in the world. Vulnerability is perceived as weakness in the world, is it not? That's exactly what it is. But you tell me, What of your relationships are deep and profound and you've never been vulnerable in them? There's not a one. The relationships where you refuse to be vulnerable are the relationships that have not lasted, right? The relationships that are deep and profound in your life are because you acknowledge the need and you desire to be vulnerable. 
And praise is vulnerable because praise is honest expression of our relationship with the Lord and where it is right now. Honest expression. And if I, she, she knows. Listen to Stevie. Okay? She knows. That was her amen. Praise is a fruit of relationship. And if I have not given myself fully to him, my praise will reflect that. Church, we are made for him, right? Do you believe that we're made for him? Yes. Just, I, just stop and think for a second. Jay, Jay had mentioned this during service. This was profound, or not during service, just during our practice. But we talked about last week how we have neglected to give all of ourselves to all that he is. But how do you do that? It is impossible. There are parts of me that I have no idea about that do not belong to the Lord yet, I'm sure. I'm sure. But how does he claim those territories in me? And this is what Jay said, I make myself available to be led and drawn deeper into him. And that is what we do not do. We do not make ourselves available to the Lord to do what he needs to do in us. We ask him to be available when it's convenient, but we do not open ourselves on a regular basis to be available and open to what he has that he could lead us into these things. And that is what is missing. And that is why uh, praise has been manipulated in the way that it has in, in the church over the last many years. But recognizing this, this reality that we are made for him, that your life that in the entirety of your life, it is made. At the end of the day, it is made for him. Now we can say that in this environment and we can believe. If I say, do you believe that you're made for him? Which one of you is gonna disagree? Not a one. But do you look at your life and do you see in your life the fruit of that statement and that yes, that yes, I am made for him? Do you live that outside of here? That reality and that trust that I am actually indeed made for him each and every day, each and every moment. I am his and he is mine. And make yourself available in all of those moments. We tend to not do that, unfortunately. In Colossians 1, verse 15, it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him through him and for him. And he is before all things and in all things and holds all things together. We are made for him and he is literally the glue, the glue that holds everything together. You are made for him. Everything in your life is made for him. Now think about the, the difficult things that you're trying to make work. Are you trying to make it work because you are refusing to live for him? recognizing that every day, each and every day, it is for him. The days that I get myself into the most trouble are the days that I try to live for myself, right? We all know those days where it feels like just to get to the end of it feels like I have to push a boulder up a hill. It's fighting against the will of God, right? Biting off more things uh, than I can handle and, and stepping into the things that the Lord has not intended for us. And it all could be put to rest if I would just simply stop and recognize that this life is his and I am made for him and it is his to do with what he will, including my time of praise. You are meant to praise him in your life in freedom. You are meant to praise him in the fullness of, of freedom. Unfortunately, so many people praise in bondage. 
They praise God, and this is what I mean. They praise God, but they praise God from this place of fear, doubt, and division. They operate in this, right? They praise. They're worried about singing too loud because they're afraid they're going to bother their neighbor, right? They're worried about lifting their hands because they're worried about the person behind them being like, crazy, hippie person. I don't know. I don't know what we call somebody that raises their hands. It's foreign to me, but we operate in fear, doubt, and division, and then we praise God from that place. And if you're operating in fear, doubt, and division each and every day in your life and you're not united with God, how are you going to come in here and offer him praise and unity with him? You can't do it. If fear and doubt and division exist in your relationship with God before you come in here, it's going to be here when you get here. And that's the place that we praise God from, unfortunately. And we have manipulated it and we have transformed the way we do praise, submitting to fear, doubt, and division. We've done it. When I got here, I've told you guys this several times. It was really weird to me. I don't know if it was weird for anybody else. But when I got here, this was the first sanctuary I had ever praised the Lord in where the lights were on. I'm like, do y'all know that they can see each other? That's, that's, it, it felt unnatural to me. And I recognized something. I have been praising the Lord from a place of fear. Because what does that darkness give me? cloaks me, cover me, where I could express myself more freely because it was dark. You turn the lights back on, it's like, oh, just keep it together. I get to tap my foot and that's it because no one can see it. But we, I was praising the Lord. I recognized that when I got here. This is one of the many things that Jay has taught me is I got here and I was praising in a place of bondage and not freedom. But where did that bondage exist first? my relationship with him. So the fruit of praise reflected that relationship. Do you hear what I'm saying to you this morning? We are meant to praise God in freedom. Galatians 5, 1 tells us, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. We pick back up the yoke of slavery because doubt exists in us. Doubt exists in us. And what does James say about doubt? In James 1, what does he say? If, if, you, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask. But let him ask without doubt. Because that man, this is important. This has been profound for me. And it's been one of those scriptures for years that I've read through and not paid any attention. But he says, for that man should not expect to receive anything from God that asks with doubt in his heart. I should not expect anything from him if I am asking him in doubt. That's powerful. That's slavery. We are not made to be a people of doubt. The one who asks with doubt in his heart should not expect to receive anything from God. So what I have discovered, and this has been a process for a long time, this, this teaching um, the, the basis of this teaching, we know that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. This came years ago, years ago, before my time in this house, this teaching was released through Scott Lipes. But the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy through fear, doubt, and division. That is how he comes to steal, kill, and destroy the people of God is through fear, doubt, and division. And I, I've been thinking about this, and the Lord has been leading me, me through this understanding of fear, doubt, and division deeper through the years. And I was thinking just about how those rela the relationship between fear, doubt, and division work 
within themselves, how they work together to enter into our story. And a simple example. I don't know why, but I turned 30. Wait, and, you don't know why you turned 30? No, I don't know why. I've asked the Lord. That, this is the wrong pause. I put the <laughs> comma in the wrong spot. Church, I've turned 30 years ago. But when that happened, I don't know if it was because the warranty broke down or whatever, but all of a sudden I had a fear of heights. Like a legit, terrifying, crippling fear of heights. And it was really cool because I discovered that on this roof out here, looking down at the sidewalk that you all walk on to come inside. And that's when I realized, okay, now I'm terrified of this. And I started thinking about, okay, where did that fear come from? Where did that fear come from? But all of a sudden I started to recognize that fear is not a response to the situation. Fear is a response to the doubt in yourself to see yourself through the situation. I have fear of heights because I now, for some reason, because the warranty's out on my life, I think that's just what happens at 30, like all your lives are burned up, be careful, because this is it. Uh, but <laughs> that's how I feel, okay? I hurt every day. But all of a sudden, I didn't have confidence in myself to not fall off the roof. A task I've done for years. Me and my siblings used to climb up the fence onto our garage and then jump off. Because why not? And now I'm in the same place and it's like, uh, it's just bad. But I, all of a sudden I started to doubt my ability to not get myself hurt. And then what was introduced? Fear. And now there's division between me and that task. Every year when I put up Christmas lights, I think this is so dumb. Why am I doing this? It's terrifying. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. But it's because I doubt my ability. And there is a cure, a perfect solution that destroys and chases doubt out of our lives because this is the thing. We do this in our relationship with the Lord. I doubt God because I, I lack understanding of who he is. I lack testimony of what he's done or I've forgotten what he's done. This is what we do more than anything because I do not believe there is a single person in this room that lacks testimony of the profound and miraculous nature of the Lord in their lives. There is not a one of you in here, I'm telling you right now, the Lord has worked miracles on your behalf. But we are like a goldfish and our memory gets wiped after three seconds. And then all of a sudden we will find ourselves in similar situations that we've lived through and the Lord has delivered us from before. And what do we do? We revert back to the, to the time where we first entered this situation. We act as though we've learned nothing in that time. We act as though if we learned absolutely nothing. Doubt and ability leads to fear and division. And again, the cure, the perfect solution that destroys and chases doubt out of our lives is relationship with Jesus. And I'm not talking about a one-time decision to be saved relationship with Jesus. That's not a relationship. That's a transaction. I don't have a relationship with the cashier at the store. I go through a transactional process and then I leave. Right? That is not the way that we are meant to encounter Jesus and walk with him in our story. Amen. It's from that point on when I say yes that he never leaves me nor departs from me. He is to be my best friend. My closest ally in my story. 
And I am meant to have deep and profound relationship with him. Church, it is time for the igniting of personal fire again, that individually in your life, you would burn for Jesus, hunger and yearn for him deeply. And that you will find in that place that doubt has left. If I, I, I do not doubt my wife's ability to be a mother. I don't doubt it. Why is that? Because she's, awesome. she's awesome. But how do we know that? Because we have relationship with her. I've seen her parent my kids. and It's profound. And so I do not doubt her ability to be a mother. It's relationship. If I have deep and profound relationship with the Lord, if I pursue him, if I yearn for him in my daily life, I recognize each and every day that he is closer than my breath. He has never left me. He is near constantly, always and forever. He is near to me. If I will recognize that reality and begin to pursue him from that place, I will encounter his heart. Not just his heart for the people around me, but his heart towards me. And then when I come into situations, I believe him when he says he will see me through. I believe him when he says he will work all things for the good of those that love him. I believe that he, when he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, he meant it. And he was talking about me. I believe when he says, I have not led you this far to abandon you now. I believe him. I believe what he says because I've encountered the heart of the one who has spoken it. And that can only happen through relationship. That can only happen in relationship. And in that place, you will find that doubt has left. And how this begins. This has been something, this has been a profound word that the Lord just presented to me a couple days ago. That you have to be willing to give all yourself to him. We know this. Uh, We are made to make ourselves available to him that he could bring all of us into all that he is. Uh, Ephesians 2.10, we know this, that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are made for him. We know this. That's the obvious answer. But the next that is not so obvious that the Lord has brought to my attention, that is, uh, it's been profound for me, is that we need to believe and receive this truth that God is not localized. God is not localized to this building. God is not localized to Sunday mornings at 1045. God is not localized to Wednesday evenings at 6 p.m. But we, the people of God, have treated him like he is only available in the times that I come here. And then he's missing in the rest of our story. Why is that? Because we have compartmentalized him to a building and a service. This time that we're together is not meant to be the one time that you experience the Lord in this sanctuary. He is in this sanctuary. Hear this. If we leave, this is just a building, an empty building. He's present because the vessels in which carry him are present in it. His people are here and so is he. But he does not wait here for us only, only to be here, right? He goes before us and he's here when we come, but he's, he is here because the people of God are coming and because we are here. He is not only in this place. Amen. He is not only in this house. He is not only in this sanctuary. 
He is here because we are here, not because of anything that's about this building. We didn't have some special anointed holy mortar that put the bricks together. That's not what it is. First Corinthians six, 19 says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. You, wherever you go, you take the presence of God with you. Do you believe that? Everywhere you go, you are his hands and feet. How can you be his hands and feet if he is not with you everywhere you go? And that means that when you jump in the car, he's in the car. That means when you sit down at work, where is he? He's right there. He's right there. He's there with you at the gas station. He's there with you at the grocery store. He is not trapped in this building only to be experienced by his people when we gather here. He is also wherever you are going. Psalm 139, verse 7 says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me by night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. Stop waiting, church, to be here to engage with him. We, we, we are in this time, again, where the Lord desires to ignite the personal fire of relationship with his people individually. And we are seeing profound things happen when people turn to him. I'm going to share this testimony is not mine, uh, but I, I heard it this week and I know this person wouldn't mind me sharing it. But we have seen time and time again, Carrie released the vision and we have seen it over and over and over again. Personal pursuit, personally engaging, turning and fixing our lives upon the Lord and looking at him is releasing the freedom that we need. And the outpouring of the spirit is happening right there in that very moment that people are turning to him. We saw it in Asbury revivals. We're seeing it across the globe right now. People are turning to the Lord and he is releasing his presence upon them in profound and miraculous ways. And this person was at a church service and at the end they had uh, just prayer partners up here and they were just praying for people. And two women came up to receive prayer struggling with anxiety, struggling with depression, suicidal thoughts, horrible things, horrible darkness that has plagued the people of this nation. It is profound. I talk to parents about how they're considering putting their children on anxiety medications. That, that is the spirit that is seeking to consume this, this country right now. That is the dark, it is a mental darkness that is coming. It is a mental darkness that is seeking to establish itself. But those people came as the woman ran to Jesus just to touch the fringe of his garment and they received healing immediately from that, delivered completely from that in that moment. I mean, they could feel it leave them. Amen. And if you've ever walked with anxiety or depression, you know where, when it's there and you know when it's gone. It's like somebody taking a 50 pound rucksack off your back. It, it, when, it, when it is removed. And that is the profound nature of what the Lord is doing right now. If we will simply turn, 
and run to him. If you will seek, what does he say? You will find. There's no delay in it. He doesn't say eventually you'll find me. He says if you will simply seek, you will find. Because what happens when we turn and begin to look for the one who has never left our side, what do we notice? That he's right next to me. And he says, if you will knock, maybe it will be opened. Is that what he says? No, No, if you knock, it will be opened unto you. And that is what the Lord is trying to teach his people right now. And he is desiring for a fire to ignite, a yearning to ignite in his people individually that we would desire him each and every day and each and every moment. And we would pursue him with our lives. And where does that start? It starts by you taking him out of the box. He is not confined to these four walls. He is in everything. Every fiber of being, he is in your car He is on your way to work. He is with you when you wake up and he is with you when he goes to bed. Engage with him appropriately in that recognition of that truth that he's with me everywhere. I don't have to wait to get somewhere to encounter Jesus. I get to encounter him right now. And then imagine what that does. When the people of God are stewarding a relationship in each and every moment, not just in some days, at some times, but they're engaging and stewarding a relationship with the Lord in each and every second. What is that releasing to those around you? Freedom. In all things, what does it say again in Colossians? All things are made for him and through him. Who's included in that? All of us. Every person that has breath, that ever has been and ever will be, was made for him. And the Lord is not asking you again to do anything profound. He's just asking you to seek him in your own life and watch how profound things begin to happen. Can we believe that, church? Can we stand firmly upon that and just take him out of the box? Stop compartmentalizing the Lord to a place. Wherever you are, there he is. For you are anointed and covered by the Spirit of God, and he is with you in each and every place. Amen? Thank you.